and welcome back to Real Clear with Dr. Klein, the crossroads of politics and psychology. If you would like to listen to ad-free episodes and have access to daily and weekly releases, essays, and other membership perks, and you also want to help in the production of this program, go to realclearpodcast.com and click subscribe. There are a lot of places in this world where you can put your money, and so I thank you for considering membership to realclearpodcast.com. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Welcome back to Thinking Kind with Dr. Klein. I'm your host. A quick note before I begin. You can contribute to Thinking Kind podcast by going to thinkingkind.com and you can pursue the link for Locals or for Patreon. On Locals, you can choose to contribute just one time if that's what you'd like to do rather than a subscription. Okay, so I don't have much written down for today. I, I'd like to just talk about some ideas that have come to mind and see where it goes. Now, I found myself recently um, quite uncurious. And I've been bothered by this. I, I haven't found myself needing to complexify something and make a podcast about it. And in reflecting about this just today... I, I think I've come to the following ideas. Um, not everything requires complexity. You know, I came to this, <laughs> obviously, I mean, that's kind of a basic truth that I don't imagine you're too uh, blown away by, you know. And I came to this uh, realization while driving through the countryside. I got out of the city, out of the suburbs, and into some bucolic territory where I started to remember some of my roots, you know, where I grew up, forest, fields, mountains, and uh, sometimes it's important to remember simplicity. And, um, you know, it occurs to me as well that there's a place for closed-mindedness. We tend to privilege openness too much, or, or prize it, I should say. Openness is important, but it means nothing without momentary or occasional impingements on openness. I mean, there's a place for closeness. What does closeness mean? I think it means preserving something from newness, from ideas that are antithetical to what is valued as conventional wisdom. And I've, recently I've been, um, again, trying to figure out why I've been so uncurious, um, so unimaginative even. And I think it's because I'm tired of new ideas. <laughs> I'm tired of a culture where everything needs to be new and um, um, innovative. Things need to be... Uh, creative, and everyone has to have a genius new perspective on something. Well, I think we're getting turned around there in some pretty awful ways that have really been bothering me. Crime has been something that I've been particularly bothered by recently. Um, in terms of the newness of ideas taking us in places that are unhealthy for us, with regard to crime, I think we've really lost our minds in this country. That crime is like a, a crucible right now that 
or I should say a prism through which we are seeing how irascible and overly abstract we have started to get about human conduct. I found myself feeling quite settled recently in small town America. My wife and I took a a trip to a beautiful little place in central Oregon up in the Cascades. And I found myself remembering what it's like to wake up in a, in a country place and just have some really simple bacon and eggs and coffee, (laughs) you know, and, um, Maverick could just uh, run out the door and and frolic through some fields, you know, get into a little bit of trouble on his own. Oh, boy, I miss that. I grew up with that. Um, You know, in small-town America, at least in places that I'm accustomed to, um, there's a lot of problems there of their own accord, but crime is generally, at least in the cultural narrative, I'm not saying in reality total, but at least in the cultural narrative, crime is not something that is looked upon as some kind of understandable side effect of some kind of oppression hierarchy. And in our urban areas, in our cities in America, that's what it's looked at as now. I think that's a path to insanity. We are now seeing what I think might be a, an awkward and unfortunate path to something that's perhaps good, and that is a revitalization of rural America. Because people are wanting to get the hell out of the cities right now. And, I mean, even very far-left people who I know want to get the hell out of the cities. They're tired of it. And though they might never say, say as such, they're generally tired of it because it's not safe. And why isn't it safe? Well, one thing that I've been talking about on this podcast since the very beginning and am so centrally preoccupied with is the cultural rift that we have in America and in the Western world proper over how to balance viewing the individual as sovereign and responsible for him or herself versus a product of context and history. That's a big issue. It's the biggest issue that is, that is, is nagging at us. We don't know what to do with this at this time. And we're, we're balkanizing as a result. What do I mean by balkanizing? Well, we have a second secession. People are going to red states or blue states because they can't seem to be around others who disagree. And I actually think that that might be necessary for some sort of an outcome to occur that that could provide clarity. What do I mean by that? Well, with respect to crime, you, there's no middle ground between areas that view the criminal as responsible for his present behavior versus areas, say, like New York City right now, where there's a handful of crimes that the district attorney has publicly stated he will not prosecute. What are one of those crimes uh, if you break into a home 
and you don't enter the main living area, you won't be prosecuted. That's insane. I believe you can also resist arrest, although I, I will have to source that one because I'm, I'm not sure about it. I believe it's true. I know for a fact in San Francisco, you can steal up to $900. I think in California overall, you can steal up to $900. And if you don't go over $900, you won't be arrested. And there's this very strange, circuitous justification to this. I was about to say logic, but it's not logic. It's a justification that petty crimes, so-called petty crimes, I don't think that, I think it's a misnomer because say uh, to a store owner, well, you're just suffering from petty crimes. They're not petty. They put people out of business if there's enough of them. But the, the twisted ideology underneath underneath this legislation is that uh, the crime, the petty crime, is an outcome of desperation, uh, often arising from drug use and mental illness. And that's uh, we're not doing any favors to our populace by um, uh, pejoratively reacting to such a thing. That is nonsense. And it is the path to civil breakdown. So, of course, people are not going to be able to find middle ground on this. You can't say that you, that a citizen can even steal $1 and be exempt from prosecution. Any amount there, any amount of uh, free crime range is poison to society. And so I think where, where we're at in this pandemic phase, this, it's moving towards the endemic People are, to the extent possible, moving out of the suburbs, out of the city, at least as far as I can tell. I've looked at some real estate regions that you wouldn't typically expect to see swells, and they're absolutely swelling. There's all kinds of reasons for this. I mean, obviously, interest rates are at historic lows, and everyone fears the Fed jacking up rates and um, and not being able to buy a house. But where people are are doing this tells a story of what Americans are wanting to move toward. And it's not living closer to one another. You know, I see this in in the Portland region, Portland, Oregon, the metro region where I live. Um, The towns on the outskirts are becoming the new Portland. And I'm sad to say, when I go downtown to my office, it's like a ghost town. I mean, it's it's hard for me to believe that um, commerce occurs. You know, there's, there's skyscrapers there that are out of business. No one goes down there anymore. I, I know they're looking for ways to revitalize it, but um, good luck when the majority of the metro region knows that if you go down there at night and walk around, you're putting yourself in danger. And so the the central theme here to realign is that we are struggling to determine for ourselves how much individuals should be responsible for their own behaviors. When it comes to crime, again, this is not just an abstract issue. How do you publicly administrate in any society where individuals know that they aren't necessarily going to be treated as though they are responsible for their behaviors? And, you know, I've spent time as a prison psychologist 
in, in maximum security correctional facilities in Southern California. And those of you who have not spent time in a prison looking across the table at someone who would kill you for a cigarette without even thinking twice about it, if he knew he could get away with it, you don't know what awaits you on the other side of that thin blue line. You know, the thin blue line, the police that we have been really trying to reform over the last couple of years, or at least publicly decrying uh, on both sides. One side says they're awful. One side says they're great. And we can't seem to find a way to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. We, we want to reform the police, or at least a large faction of our society wants to. That doesn't mean obliterate, for heaven's sakes. It doesn't mean uh, take away funds, for heaven's sakes. Are you kidding me? And folks, if you've, again, spent time in a prison, you will know what's on the other side of that line for you. You can say what you want about causes, but however people arrive at that psychological and behavioral position, being the folks, the men who I interacted with in prison, you really ought to reconsider your position if you think there ought to be less buffering space between you and them. Less deterrence. You don't know what you're asking for. I think this is one reason that Americans are moving out of city areas where crime is centralized. There's there's an implicit awareness of this. I think people actually know it consciously. I think people, when they talk about their own lives in the comfort of their own home, or maybe the, un the discomfort of their own home, as it were today, um, they tend to recognize how crazy things have gotten. You know, how crime has risen hundreds of percentile ranks, uh, you know, in, in various areas. And they go, we got to get out of here. That seems to be the sentiment. And there are some other corollary behaviors that I notice both in myself and in those around me. Folks seem to be less preoccupied with extravagance now. I think that's a good thing. And what do I mean by that? Well, I see a thirst for simplicity in most people now. A thirst for groundedness where basic truths are not treated as though they are somehow curious and in need of new insight. And again, crime, I think, is one of those main issues. Most people want to feel as though they live in a village where there is a constable who's going to arrest someone who's trying to kill you. It's a, it's a very strange, uh, strange issue. When you look at... Um, home defense laws throughout the United States. Uh, if you look at the civil trials that ensue, if a homeowner has had to protect himself, uh, if the homeowner comes out of a defensive position, then he will easily be subject to civil, uh, 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 civil loss, regardless of criminal courts, where, where he can be sued for coming out of a defensive position, say, you know, locking himself in his bedroom or something like that, and um, pursuing a, an invader in his own home. 
That's a strange, strange happening, right? As if you are supposed to, um, if someone breaks into your house, you, you, you whistle out, you go, oh, hello, um, could I ask what your intentions are? Are you planning on assaulting me and my wife, or, or are you simply here to steal a few uh, low-value items? Um, if you'd let me know, I'll just I'll retreat back into my bedroom and, and, and wait for you to come upstairs, perhaps. W- would you please tell me? You know, that really is where we're at in this country. I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, there, are, there are stories that come out of... Um, out of Texas, where they have really staunch uh, self-defense laws, you know, defend your castle laws, um, and Florida too. And I'm not saying I've examined these laws in total, but they seem to make more sense versus uh, state laws where you have to uh, mitigate the the use of force in your own home. Um, and Canada has has even more progressive laws that way. They make no sense to me. And I think they're a good example of where we have lost our minds regarding individual responsibility. It would be an absolute tragedy if anybody had to kill or injure someone in their own home in self-defense. It's not a good situation for, for anybody involved. But the idea that you ought not be able to do that free of consequence if it has been determined that someone has unlawfully broken into your home, it is insane. It's just, it's nuts. I, 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 I don't want to overly complexify that issue. I want to stop there and say it's nuts. We ought to be able to not have to complexify everything again. You ought to be able to say, that's insane. We can't have a society like that. We can't have a society where people are seen as needing to break into a store and steal $900 or $899 as many times as they want. Did you know Walgreens has closed 19 locations in the San Fran area out of insolvency due to this very problem, due to shoplifting? It doesn't make sense for them to keep those stores open. Walgreens. Okay, so imagine being a mom and pop shop, say in um, downtown Portland, just recently, uh, uh, thieves are going around with blow torches and they are um, uh, hardening the glass on the doors enough to punch a hole through to reach their hands in and unlock the doors. A uh, small business jeweler was just ransacked recently. Companies, uh, you know, small businesses are having to pool their resources to hire private security forces around their neighborhoods. That's a consequence of how we have bumbled the issue of police reform. Totally bumbled it. Voices around Portland who were decrying the police and other, you know, and other areas throughout the country. I don't want to just uh, describe Portland, but it's a particularly um, illustrative example. Uh, who were decrying police reform are now standing up and saying, where are the police? There was a story that broke um, this past summer where 
there there was a woman in Northwest Portland who called the police when she realized that someone, a man, was crawling up the side of her house trying to get into her house. And the police came and just looked at him. And he dropped down off the house and ran away. They did not pursue him. (laughs) And, And this woman was rightly aghast. And I had to imagine, or at least I did imagine when I was watching this news story, she looked just like the person with the, uh, you know, very hip red or blue rimmed eyeglasses, uh, you know, who would be saying that she, um, just a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, that she wants less police. And then now she was incensed that um, she wasn't protected. So folks, uh, I, I think that something very strange has happened, perhaps understandable in retrospect, we'll see, but that folks who wanted to to really remove visibility of the police are now the same folks who are scurrying to get the hell out of the city. And who are they leaving behind? They're leaving behind those who don't have the means to get the hell out. And who do you think those people are? So do you want to talk about injustice? Why don't we talk about the injustice of our own highfalutin ideas before we embody them in legislation? I guess I'm angry. (laughs) I guess I'm a little angry. Um, This is interesting, you know. What's going to happen in this country is going to be a study of human behavior. So I'll leave you with this. It's been common understanding just that's ironic actually i said i did not want to overanalyze what conventional wisdom has uh given us as a basis for um for social uh social happenings but you know we've tended to think that the pandemic has been the cause of rising crime I want you all to consider there that's not been studied uh conclusively And it looks to be untrue, actually. I'm going to have more on this because other Western societies and certainly Eastern countries have seen crime decrease during the pandemic. So we have to look elsewhere in our country in terms of what's happened over the last couple of years before we pin crime on the coronavirus and the lockdowns. There's no good evidence that I can see so far that there's a one-to-one ratio. There is likely a moderated relationship, but it needs to be examined. It's not sufficient, in other words. It's not a sufficient explanation. Okay, well, that's where, that's where my thoughts have landed today. I'll be back soon. Take good care.